Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. In the past year or so, there has been a definite surge in references to the once-forgotten Milgram experiments. Roughly six decades ago, Yale University psychologist Stanley Milgram and his assistants performed experiments that demonstrated how frighteningly easy it is to coerce as many as two-thirds of adult humans to normalize atrocities if they are told to do so by a perceived authority figure. So yeah, these references are helpful in dissecting the mass formation taking place today, but we must keep in mind a key difference and a crucial reality. The key difference involves this. The COVID narrative has been a widely successful form of collective hypnosis. However, many of the current hypnotists are also hypnotized or perhaps self-hypnotized. Milgram and his team knew they were tricking people. But in 2022, a big chunk of the gatekeepers of the COVID deceptions are getting high on their own supply. They fervently believe the scam they are trying to sell us. Such a distinction is important when it comes to plotting out strategies to break this global trance. And this is where the aforementioned crucial reality comes into play. In the name of discerning some kind of solace amidst his demoralizing findings, Stanley Milgram himself concluded, quote, It may be that we are puppets controlled by the strings of society, but at least we are puppets with perception, with awareness, and perhaps our awareness is the first step to our liberation. Close quote. Translation, freethinkers, protect your perception, hone your awareness, seek liberation for yourself and for others. Stay strong in the knowledge that your efforts are working, and remember, At least one-third of Milgram's subjects rejected the programming. Most importantly, we must connect with like-minded allies and kindred spirits. Along those lines, I'm about to bring you my epic conversation with Dr. Jessica Rose. She's based in Israel and was kind enough to give me some of her time. And the ostensible topic of our conversation is the horrific incidents of vaccine adverse events. But as you're about to hear, we covered a whole lot of ground. So I will be right back with Dr. Rose right after this short break. Hello, Postwoke listeners. Mickey Z here inviting you to get involved. You can find me at mickeyz.substack.com. You can get the exact spelling of that. It's in the show notes. But you can join my Substack at any time. You can subscribe for as little as $5 a month. And as a paid subscriber, you will get all the new podcasts earlier than anyone else. You will get all the articles I write, which is at least once a week. You'll have permission to comment on any and all posts that you choose. And also, you'll be really supporting this growing project. I 
guarantee you that in 2022, post-woke is going to grow. It's going to explode. And if you want to be a part of it, go to mickeyz.substack.com to subscribe now. Now, if $5 a month is not something you can afford now, you can subscribe for free. In that case, you will get emails every time there is a podcast or article available for you to read or listen to. And I would please urge you to do that if you can't afford to be a paid subscriber. And either way, whether you choose to pay or not, I'm requesting that you share this content, that you let people know that this is a podcast you listen to, that you like, and that you want the other people to listen to. You want to share this message of intellectual self-defense. So I thank you in advance for all your support, and I look forward to interacting with you all throughout 2022. All right, we're back with Dr. Jessica Rose. And I heard you on several podcasts and perused your website. And I must say that your credentials are awe-inspiring. So rather than me trying to decide what you want to tell the audience about yourself, I'm going to just ask you, if you don't mind, to just, first of all, welcome to the show. And secondly, could you tell, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what led you to this path? Um, yeah, sure. Thanks for having me so much. Um, well, um, as you pointed out when we were talking uh, behind the scenes, uh, it's 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 really interesting. I'm not sure I've heard someone say it so succinctly. I've heard people say it, but not like you said it. Um, it does appear that all these fields that I've studied in my life um have led me to this one convergent point of analyzing adverse event data, which is basically how I spend all my time now. Um, so if, if nobody, if people don't know what that means, uh, I, <laughs> I've had kind of a sporadic academic uh, life. I started in applied mathematics. I went to immunology, which was an interdisciplinary degree program where I combined mathematical modeling and immunology. And then I went into com computational biology, which is basically using or ordinary differential equations to solve biological problems, also kind of big data analysis. And then I went to molecular biology, where I was studying uh, rickettsia, which is a bacteria. So I got away from the viruses for a bit and, uh, and moved on to bacteria. Fascinating. <laughs> and then I went to proteins, uh, where I did... Um, another postdoc in biochemistry, um, chemistry and biochemistry and protein biology. So I was studying uh, B12 importers uh, using something called anisotropic network modeling. <laughs> Say that five times fast. I was just talking uh, about that the other day. Yeah. And uh, the thing I love to do the most is surfing, uh, but I'm also... I'm also an artist, so I, I'm kind of like coming from, I, I've got my toes in a lot of ponds, but uh, but you're right, it, it inexorably, as the architect would say, <laughs> has led me here. <laughs> um, I love that movie. So yeah, he, where is here? So here is uh, a place where I analyze VAERS data, which is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System uh, of the United States, uh, which is an extraordinarily interesting data set at the moment. It is 
massive. It's almost getting hard to handle. It's so full of data, which has never happened before in the context of vaccines. Wow. This is an absolutely unique event in human history in the context of these COVID-19 injectable products. Um, And any system in the human body that you can think of or pick has been affected and is reflected by the adverse events that have been reported to VAERS and the yellow card system and the user system and SA VAERS and any, any adverse event data collection system that you can pick in the world has the same profile. Out of control numbers and a very broad spectrum of types of adverse events. Like we're talking 16,000 different types. Wow. I wasn't aware of that big of a number. Yet, yet, as I'm sure you well know, the average person has been, who probably never heard of theirs prior to, um, say, late 2020, when, when it seemed like these injectable products, as you perfectly call them, um, started to roll out, um, has been very carefully conditioned to discredit it. They, they talk about, oh, it, it's, it's, they're just reports. They're not accurate. Anyone can put that in there as if people are lining up to do false reports, which would be a federal offense in the United States. And, and, and when, I, when I've discussed or debated with people, I'll say, well, this is actually a passive surveillance system, which logically, in, in my mind, would lead to underreporting because if people don't know about it or don't have the ambition or it's difficult to do, or as I've heard you say, and I would love for you to elaborate on in other podcasts, there, there are health professionals who literally do not have the time or the patience to put it in there, or they may be afraid of being labeled something. So th- there have been a lot of built-in talking points as to the negative of theirs. From your perspective, what are the, the actual negatives and what do you see? Are there any positives within VARES? Well, I can confirm everything that you said. It's a Listen, it's a lamentable system. It's antiquated. It, there's, it's full of errors, but it's the best we have. And it's probably the best in the world, having said that. Um, Yes, there are there are problems with fares. Underreporting is a known problem with fares, and there are a number of reasons, as you pointed out. Um, most of the reports are filed by physicians or uh, nurse practitioners, professionals. Uh, it takes about thirty minutes to file a fares report. It is not a simple process, and it is a federal offense to to, to make a forgery. And if you don't do it in time, it's an online system with multiple pages, then you can get booted off each single page, and then you have to start again. How much time do they give you? 30 minutes total. Wow. I I think, no, I'm sorry, per page? Sorry, I I misunderstood the question. Uh, I think maybe probably a few minutes. Wow. Not a long time. You you have to, it seems like you kind of have to know what you're doing. Um, And for a medical professional, Perhaps they know better than the average person. And and like you said, most people didn't even know about this. A lot more people do now. I didn't know about it um, two years ago. Um, But yes, uh, this underreporting factor is a serious thing. So just to elaborate on that, um, if if you look into OpenVares or if you look at my website and you see absolute counts, 
of, say, myocarditis reports, whatever the underreporting factor that you accept to be reasonable, you have to multiply whatever that number is by that underreporting factor. So a number of people have made estimates of what it might be. Uh, it's somewhere between one and 100. We don't know. My calculation was based on um, the Pfizer clinical trial data, the phase three trial data. So it's their own data that I made this calculation from. And uh, it's about 30. Steve Kirsch has done the same thing using a different base data set. He got 40. Another person uh, got 100. So it's it's not, an, uh, we don't know exactly what it is, but it's it exists. And it's not There's a small someone- number. No, it's not. And it's it, like if you take the most conservative estimate, which is mine, of 30, or, or even if you take five, I don't care what you take. I'm not really obsessed with the underreporting factor because, quite frankly, I don't think we even need to consider it when we're talking about this data because the numbers are already so atypical when you look at past data in VAERS. It's, it's, it's like 7,000% increase in reporting in the death category. Literally, wow! the average number of people who died from all the vaccines combined in, in a year for the past 30 years was 155. Past 30 years, that's when okay. VAERS came into existence. And, and now we are at uh, almost 12,000. And this is only the domestic data. So this is another point in VAERS that people might not be aware of. There there are two data sets that you can download on their website. It's very easy to do. There's the domestic data set, which uh, comprises all the data entries made by U.S. citizens living in the United States geographically. And then there's the foreign data, which is kind of a mystery box of uh, data, which it's a very big set. It represents about half of all the absolute numbers. But um, I'm not really sure if it's origin. It's probably people living outside the states filing reports uh, or whatever. But the point is, these are still valid reports that got into the front end of the VAR system after the vetting process. So they're not fake. They're, we just don't know exactly what their origin is, but they're, they're valid entries. So basically what that means is that when you add up all the adverse event um, counts from both sets, you basically get double. So if you analyze the domestic data or the foreign data individually, you know, just multiply that times two and you'll get the total. And then uh, and then you have to multiply by the underreporting factor or whatever you wow. think that is. So yeah. so so in a in a possible theoretical pretty much a a, re, a, re, a real conversation with someone who is um, supporting the the narrative, the company line, so to speak, if someone says to you um, no, the, these are, there are fake that, you know, this is over-reporting. Everything you just explained is how completely, utterly unlikely, virtually impossible it is for people to flood the system because it's not, it's actually built so, in such a way that legitimate reports are having a hard time getting in there. And then Absolutely. secondly, those who say, some people will look at VARES who are trying to shatter the COVID narrative and come up with this is just this is just a, a minuscule amount. It's a hundred times, it's a thousand times. You're saying, based on the history of this vaccine adverse event reporting system, the numbers as they stand, and they are legit, they are not fake numbers, as they stand now, if that truly was the ceiling, it's already 
the most humongous red flag in vaccine history. Do I have that correct? Absolutely. And and I like that you say red flag because that's exactly what VAERS is for. It's a pharmacovigilance tool, which means that it's a tool for people to use um, to detect safety signals that weren't detected in pre-market testing. So that's precisely what this system is designed to do, to allow the person analyzing the data to pick up safety signals. And VAERS has been throwing off safety signals since last January. There were enough deaths in this uh, data set for this. If we were going by the rules of the past, it would have been shot down in January a year ago. Wow. And that's just death. I mean, I haven't, uh, by the way, I just want to throw something in for the people who, who there is, there, there's a crowd of, um, uh, I guess they're fact checkers or whatever, um, who have referred to VAERS, uh, people analyzing VAERS data as dumpster divers. And I've said this before on Ivory Hecker show, and I'm going to say it again here. Uh, I take great offense at that because these aren't data points in VAERS. These are people who've been injured. And whether or not you believe it's as a direct result of these injections, there's still people who are hurting, and this is their outlet. And for people who, more, more specifically, um, there are people that I know of who have been damaged by these. A child, uh, Maddie de Garay, for example, I'll use a specific uh, example. She's 13 now, and she's uh, basically quadriplegic, and she's got a feeding tube. She was part of the Pfizer phase three clinical trial data, or, or uh, uh, trial, and they they wrote her out of the trial when she started experiencing these horrifically severe adverse events and wrote down her uh, adverse event report as uh, abdominal pain. And they will not, they will not acknowledge her. They won't call her back. This is a big, big, big thing, uh, a point uh, of interest that everybody should know about because this is a real little girl and she's maimed for life. And it is because of these things. And even, I, I'm going to go one step further, even if it isn't, she needs to be acknowledged. And so do all these uh, other people. Thank so you. Yeah. You're, you're welcome. But like, it, it's, that's the primary reason why I'm doing this, because I'm absolutely sick and tired of people not having a voice. So I, I want to be a voice. And in, 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 in the future, if I have a platform to provide other people with a voice, I'm going to do it. Because these are those are the people that matter in this. They're us. Yes. We're them. Yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah. I'm going to include in the show notes some some links based on your suggestions where where listeners can click and learn a little bit more. Because I have been listening to podcasts where they'll have people on who have organized and are trying to to get their voice heard. And it's reached the point where some of them said that Facebook will shut their groups, their private groups down. So they've had to come up and I won't even say the names because they come up with these code words for COVID or vaccine so that the, the AI bots don't catch them. Like as, as if we're in like Stasi East Germany or something where you, you, you have to speak in code or else you'll be shut down, you know, figuratively have the door kicked in and have your, your group broken up. And as you said, even if you choose to believe that these folks are either 
misguided or have been have been consciously manipulated by someone else. They are people, human beings who are suffering. And to remember that they're not data points. If there's nothing else that people could take home from listening to this conversation, that to me is the ultimate connector to, to who doesn't, who hasn't suffered physically or doesn't know someone very close to them who has. And when you get, when you, when they're not treated, when they're treated like a number or statistics, how the, the, the disappointment and even the rage you feel inside, it's, it, that's thank you for that because it's important that when I'm talking and writing to remember to not get too abstract with this or too too um, competitive like I'm going to win this argument because there are people out there who are suffering as you and I talk and they're not concerned whether we quote unquote win an argument they they just want help exactly exactly and th- th- I'm going to plug a documentary that came out of Canada. Um, it, it's I am not a oh I'm terrible. <laughs> it's uh, I'll find out for you okay. so we can. But it's please, please do. It's a testimonials movie, and there's one. It's all Canadians from BC, I believe, and they're all injured by these products, and they know that they're injured by these products because of the timeline. And but that's not that's not the point uh, that um, that is striking in this movie. There's a man. Who uh, who really hit me um, in the heart? His, I, I mean, when you see him sitting there in his chair, he he was a long distance runner, and now he can't. He basically can't walk. And when you see him sitting there, looking into the camera at whoever is going to whoever is going to listen, and that's another point. It's like the reach isn't big because we're all being censored, and says, "Why aren't I getting any help?" because I was perfectly healthy before and now I'm not. And I'm, I, his doctor is ignoring him basically. And the other thing that struck me was that the only aid, medical aid, let's call it, that he's received from the healthcare system are pills, you know, and those are free, but the only things that are helping him get back to feeling half decent, not normal, but decent, are, uh, I I guess I would call them nutraceuticals, like vitamin D and um, and zinc, et cetera. And he has to pay for those, of course. And and for anyone who knows, those, they cost a fortune. They cost a lot of money. So he holds up this box of pills that they gave him for free, which, which is, it's just poison in a bottle which probably aren't going to help him. It's it's just like, let's put a Band-Aid on, on the fact that I can't walk. And, and then he has another box of his nutraceuticals. And wow, it's that's, that's the thing. It's like, not only do you have to be suffering and in physical pain, and you're right, everyone knows what that feels like, and it sucks. And But, but to be mocked, people are yeah. calling anti-vaccine people, and they're damaged... Because they got bloody injection. I mean, it's so weird, but this is my point. You have to listen and watch the people who are having the experience themselves, who are brave enough or at wit's end enough to tell their story. That's what this is all about, because there are millions of stories out there right now. Wow. Millions. And these, and these, as you said, these folks, 
believe that they were helping their community. They okay. maybe they're helping their grandma. They probably posted some of them posted selfies with the bandaid on their shoulder, like to to, to call them quote unquote anti vaxxers It's it's a level of of conditioning that that. I'm not easily shocked because I've been writing about and talking about propaganda for much of my life. But this what we what we've been witnessing has been previously unforeseen. And I guess in social media, it could be the um, and, 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 and artificial intelligence could be the, uh, the factors that change it, say, even just from 10 years ago. But as I I will say is that I am noticing that more and more people are asking questions. And and I have all, I saw a website which I've been following called realnotrare.com and nice. and j- the title kind of says it and what it is if you subscribe to it a couple of times a day you get an email whenever they upload a new photo or video of a story of someone who has an adverse event and like you said when you're when that when i click on that that email you see uh, either a, a screenshot or just a photo of someone's face and you're looking into another human per- human being's eyes and and you're like Oh, you take a deep breath. I'm going to click on this, but it's it's going to be it's going to be painful, far more painful for them, of course. And and I, perhaps that's the that's the avenue by which to reach people because because on a on a sort of intellectual level, if you're watching CNN or or certain networks, you're just not going to be exposed to this information. But quite the opposite. Um, right before you and I spoke, like the past weekend. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s group spoke, went down to protest in Washington, and when CNN covered the the story, the Chiron on the bottom was like was like something along the lines of detestable anti-vaxxers protest at the Lincoln Memorial. Like they were editorializing in the as many letters as they could fit in the Chiron. And I think of the people seeing that the way to re- if they've been watching that for a year now, that type of material, what's going to reach them is exactly what you're saying is 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 to is to humanize the situation, particularly how it literally could be anyone, because these aren't people who avoided the vaccine. They lined up and did, quote unquote, their duty. That's absolutely right. Um, Yeah, I was on the speakers list, um, but uh, they cut the power. So I I didn't get to speak pretty heartbroken about that. But it was it was an amazing I watched all four hours until they cut the power. It was an amazing event. And the the thing that that the narrative people are doing are they they're using the excuse it's not a reason it's an excuse that the numbers are insignificant they're too small to be considered uh, a problem i'm doing air quotes here for people <laughs> who are listening um and and i absolutely detest that uh i was i, I have three publications on my vers data now and the the first one that I wrote, I, I actually was going to call why I hate it when people when when people are used as statistics, wow. because that's, you know, it's I don't care if there's only, you know, one out of 10,000 people who are uh, negatively infected by an injectable product that's meant to help them. That's one too many. Yes, it's one too many. It, it has to be zero in my book. Because, like, okay, let's talk about kids, right? Because they're injecting, like, six-month-olds here where I am now. So kids don't need these injections. That's, that's not rhetoric or hearsay or my opinion. That's a fact. Kids have, uh, I'm, I, 
they're, they're fine. They have beautiful innate immune systems and they don't seem to be affected by this at all for the most part. Um, the number of kids who have died from this uh, is probably close to zero, uh, if not zero. Um, and the thing about it is, wow, I lost my thought completely. What was I saying? You were talking about how even one out of 10,000 is too many. And you said, for example, children. Yeah. So the number of uh, injury reports coming in for kids in VARES now in the age group 5 to 11 in the United States, because that's the youngest age group you can inject uh, yes. now, is is it's ridiculous. It's tens of thousands of reports. Um, after just two weeks following November 4th, when they said, let's do this, great FDA, uh, there were already tens of thousands. So uh, I still lost my thought, but I'll just keep rolling with this. Um, <laughs> the it, it, It's appalling. Um, it's appalling to me. I mean, I personally don't think anybody needs these injections. We, we have uh, we have this thing called an immune system, which is why we're all alive. And I think a lot of people, uh, another take home message from today's um, uh, experience is uh, maybe read a little bit about the immune system itself, because I think people might have a weird idea about what it actually is. Um, human beings are like big, you know, sloppy, muscly bags of water uh, and, 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 and a mutualistic uh, posting ground for like trillions of pathogens, viruses, bacteria, um, fungi, you know, we're, we're just, we're, we're hosting a huge party in here all the time. <laughs> and, and we're, we don't feel bad because some of the, some of these things are mutualistic, which means that we, we benefit each other like gut bacteria most people have heard of that, sure. microbiome. <laughs> um, but when your immune system is suppressed, which happens when you're vitamin D deficient, for example, which most people are, by the way, yes, um, then you you're susceptible, you're vulnerable to maybe not staying ahead of the race uh, with a certain kind of pathogen. And your immune and 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 anyway, so your immune system gets activated in that way. But it's this ongoing, beautiful mechanism that's been evolving forever and co-evolving with viruses, to be more specific, and retroviruses. Our genome is actually eight percent retrovirus. We're we're integrated, you know. Mother Nature is a genius, and she, it's not even about making mistakes. I mean, we are what we are because we've gotten here through evolution, co-evolution. So on the subject of coronaviruses, yeah, they can be pretty nasty. Uh, this one is not. Uh, Omicron is definitely not. The clinical uh, symptoms being reported by, by most of the doctors I hear uh, um, are very mild, you know, sniffles. And the reason for this, this is a, in a preprint paper, is because the um, 
the receptor binding domain, that's the, the part of the spike protein that binds ACE2, which is this receptor that it uses to gain entry and infect cells. It's too different because it's mutated to bind ACE2 effectively. So basically you can imagine like the virus comes into your body and it just bumps up against your cells because it can effectively bind ACE2 really well. Okay. Okay. okay so I, I, yeah, I, I went on a bit of a tangent. No, I, I, I let, let me. I, well, it, I think it's so important because how many people in the past two years have hashtagged "I trust the science" or "because science"? But yet, if you ask them how the immune system worked, there's the odds are that it's going to be a pretty um, rudimentary at best discussion. So, it that I that's wonderful advice to give someone. It's like, well, you, you know, do your homework on the science. Yeah, science is science is diverse and ever evolving and and fascinating and in many cases, life-saving, but learn, learn more about it. Don't, don't learn it from people who have a vested interest to the tune of tens of billions of dollars to convince you of one way. So I totally hear you on that. And then the Omicron, as you mentioned, I live in New York City. There was a time where when I was walking around and in my particular neighborhood, there happened to be a lot of tents set up for testing. And I could I couldn't go a block, a New York City block, where I wouldn't see 50 to 100 people. And so by the time I walked, it was thousands of people who, if this had never been publicized, would have just said to a friend, I have a cold or I have a little bit of a flu. They would never have even gotten tested, not to mention, of course, the PCR test doesn't really work. But that, that could be a second podcast because that's what I'm trying like one of the foundational things I say to people is just sharing what Carrie Mullis, the inventor of it, explains, and 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 you know it's 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 it, the foundation is so flawed because the comeback I'll get a lot is well look at all these numbers and I'm like well the testing process is so flawed you can't trust those numbers so therefore the calling up in a pandemic when it's based on on inherently flawed numbers is is it science at this point? So I agree with this. So many pieces to bring into a conversation, which kind of leads us directly to sort of a wrapping up vibe here. I, I, I'm first curious to hear um, of what type of response your work has been getting, but then I'd like to move into something uh, where give you space to speak directly to the listeners as to what, where they can learn more about you and what we could be doing and what we could be sharing with people and how we could be a player in, in crumbling and collapsing this narrative. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, just, just to round up what you said, uh, we are in a pandemic of testing. Yeah. It's, it's a pandemic of fraud. Again, that's not my opinion. It's not rhetoric. It's a fact. I have a degree in molecular biology. I know a little bit about PCR <laughs> and Perry Mullis is my hero. And if people knew the reality of the truth behind these so-called tests, they would be shocked. And I implore you to go out and find out more about what I just said. Uh, if, if it's, it's high level, but you know, we, we can ask each other questions and, and that leads me to, I'll get to the response to my work, but what, what people can do is talk, have that conversation that's being censored, like universally right now. I have had my third paper censored. Um, people are having their entire YouTube channels censored. 
doctors are losing their licenses. Again, this isn't hearsay. I know these people. Pierre Corey's lost three jobs in all of this in two years. And this man is my dear friend, and he is a ferociously incredible human being. He's a medical doctor, and he knows his stuff. And he's treated thousands of COVID patients, and he's co-constructed an extraordinarily effective treatment protocol, an early treatment protocol. Um, The response to my work has been pretty good. Uh, I, I, I keep getting asked to have podcast and interviews. So, so that must be, uh, yes. must be a good um, <laughs> yeah, We need you I'm out there always, talking to as many people as possible. Exactly. That, that's my message. Like, um, I, I have a, a little bit of a bigger audience now, so I've literally not said no to one person. If somebody asks me, uh, to talk, I'm going to talk. Um, and it's, it's easy because, you know, I'm just saying the truth. Um, Everybody needs to open that conversation up as uncomfortable as it is, because that's the next step here. Um, A lot of this so-called narrative is falling apart, uh, just for a little bit of inspiration for those people who might be feeling a bit hopeless. And uh, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but there's this massive convoy of trucks heading across Canada now. Last I checked, it was 70 kilometers long. Wow. And they're converging on Parliament. And this, this to me, is the pivot point. We can't live without our blue-collar workers. We can't live without our nurses. We can't live without our doctors. They are we. We are them. We need each other. We are a a societal-based, a social species. We're humans. So we need to remember that. We need to remember empathy. We need to remember that our neighbor isn't our enemy and we, like, squealing on someone is, like, disgusting behavior. Check yourself if you're, if you're, if you're in that. Although the problem is if you're in that, you're, you're not aware, so you can't check yourself. But anyway, um, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the cognitive dissonance barriers, they're, they're, they're really thick, but as you said, um, slowly, slowly, there are people asking more questions and, um, there isn't one person that I've met in, in this two year saga. And I've met a lot of amazing people, uh, who would say, no, 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 I don't want you in my, in my space. No, no, I'm not going to answer those questions. all open, whenever you're ready, there's not going to be any like, no, we we don't welcome you. Every single person, no matter what you've said in the past, if you, if you're willing to accept, you know, that there's something wrong here, that maybe these doctors are telling the truth that maybe you have been lied to for two years and manipulated as hard as that is to admit nobody on our side. I hate saying our side, but nobody on the side of truth and integrity is ever going to deny you. Never. I concur. Yeah. It's, it, and it's, and you, you, your message is so 
uh, humanizing. And part of that would be whatever, quote unquote, as you say, side we're on, To re- it's crucial to remember that all of us are going to be wrong more more often than we're right, Absolutely. and so so and even those who have been questioning COVID and the narrative all along got some things wrong, and the, there's no shame. These people spend tens of billions of dollars aimed at manipulating us. Like no one is immune to that. Like we, no one is a hundred percent immune to it. I'll phrase it that way. And so therefore, it's there's no shame in being manipulated by someone whose job it is, who are hiring psychologists and AI bots, like they are, their entire purpose, their meaning of the purpose in life is to manipulate us. And it has been since all the way back to Edward Bernays in the beginning of the public relations industry, the, falling prey to that temporarily is nothing to be ashamed of. And the, the, the tricky part is that reality collapse when you first realize it. But then after that, as you said, there is a huge community waiting with open arms, like join us, the more the better, because the, when the numbers get too big, I firmly believe, and you see it in England now, they'll just claim victory and drop all the mandates because they're never <laughs> going to say they're not going to say, "Oh, we were wrong and we lied." We're going to say, "No, exactly. we we saved you." I live in New York City. We have mandates here. They'll say, "Well, we don't need mandates anymore because thanks to our leadership, we got you through yes. this safe." So they come out with, with saving face, but we but we all know we all know what happened. I, who cares? Like you said, we we need we need change, and we need to recognize that we have so much more in common with each other, and we shouldn't be trusting people who are their purpose in life is to manipulate and control us. Yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. The support system is is absolutely here, waiting, ready. Um, there are some people who need to go to prison for this. Um, yes, but uh, for the most part, you know what? No one's going to say, I told you so, in my opinion. No no one I know. We're not going to say, I told you so. Um, I even know, uh, and and I've actually made suggestions myself to governments and leaders uh, as to ways that they can (laughs) save face. Because we all know, I'm doing a little wink here, we all know that something is stinky in the state of the world. Um, and we we know that it's collapsing too. We know the yes. world needs to know now. The leaders know it's collapsing. You can see it. I mean, yeah. you, the UK is a great example. And I think Trudeau is uh, he's he's going down. When those truckers, I mean, he's going to run away, right? I, yeah. I I I anticipate that he's he's going to hide in his cottage or even flee the country. Um, He's not going to, uh, if he faces those truckers, that convoy and all the people that are like looking for answers, I will be very surprised. I hope he does. Likewise. likewise. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there, there are some people, there's a list of people who uh, they, they, they need, they, they need to be tried uh, because, you know, we don't need to go into the dirty details, but, I, I can say with absolute confidence as, as, as an immunologist, as a mathematician, as a whatever you want to call me, um, none of this needed to happen. None of it. Yes. This is a pandemic of fear. It's a pandemic of lies. It's a pandemic of deceit. It's a pandemic of testing, which is all part of that. You know, we, we knew that in March, 2020. 
And, we and, did. The good, and the good news is a pandemic of those abstract concepts don't need vaccines or therapeutics. They literally collapse like a house of cards in a millisecond the moment you say, Oh, no. <laughs> like that, yeah. They, or you say no, and so it's like it, it, it is the, in in a bizarre way. It could be the easiest pandemic ever to end because there's nothing to be afraid of, and they've convinced. Oh, you're absolutely right. Right, they've convinced half the population at least to fear the air. But but uh, <laughs> once <laughs> once that those numbers start to start to dwindle, it's it's it really just can't. It just collapses under its own weight. And as you said, the the politicians will have their speechwriters working overtime to figure out how to frame it. That's what politicians do. The corporate yeah. the corporate experts and so on. And I do very much agree with you that there are people who who must be put up, who must put, be put on trial and made to made to answer for their behavior now and for many years before. And that um, reading Robert F. Kennedy's book about Fauci with the, with the amount of footnotes and the amount of names he names in there was, was it, it read to, as I read it, and I know he's a lawyer, I felt like I was reading an indictment, like, like it was like indictment papers where it was like laying out a case and the connections of different people. And I, I urge people, I'll put that in the show notes too, but I urge people to check that out if they haven't. And any resources that you would want to send me, just send them and I'll include them in the show notes so people can click on them and learn more about where, what, what you're reading, what you're watching, documentaries, information, and just the goal is to share, share, share and, and watch things change. So thank Absolutely. you. Thank you so much for taking this time and talking, bringing your your technical expertise, but most importantly, your humanity to the show. It's been, it's been an absolute joy to listen to you speak. Oh, thank you. That's sweet. Um, I, I do have a sub stack if anyone's interested. It's uh, it, it actually is something I devote quite a bit of time to. I try and put something out every day, and it is a combination of technical and human. So it's Nice summary again. <laughs> uh, it's uh, HTTPS Jessica R, like Jessica with an R, dot substack.com. Okay. And I'm also working on a website. Uh, I've, I have a website, uh, I do not consent.netlify.app, where you can find VAERS updates, but something happened to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm using this opportunity to uh, to build a new and better website. And that's so wonderful. That, yeah, that's coming soon. And I don't know what the, the name of it's going to be yet. Um, so I, I, I would tell you if I knew, but I don't yet. <laughs> well, let, let's stay in touch. You let me know because be, I will share it far and wide. In the meantime, I will share your current website, the Substack, and any other links you send me will be included in the show notes because, as we've been saying, it's just – there's no discounting the power of of direct conversations and sharing at this point because what we're looking to do is is the classic change hearts and minds it's 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 not it's and we have we have the truth on our side and and someone like you that has done the hard work the, the the research where someone can point to numbers and facts to back up their their the statements it's essential and I deeply deeply appreciate what you do I, I appreciate the opportunity. And just as a closing thought uh, to anyone who's listening, from the bottom of my heart, there's nothing to be afraid of here in, in with regards to what the narrative is speaking to. Nothing. Uh, you can let your fear dissolve and come back to life. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jessica. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. Okay. okay. 
once again, be sure to check the show notes for all the information you'll need about Dr. Jessica Rose, along with some links that she recommended and that I recommended to add context to our most excellent conversation. After these two messages from our sponsor, I will be back with my story of the week. As some of you may know, I am a professional photographer. I have had, I've been taking photos for more than a decade. I've had my work hung and sold in art galleries. And one of my 12 books is a photo collection. So my latest photographic venture has been turning some of my photos into digital art, AKA NFTs, non-fungible tokens. This has to do with the blockchain, cryptocurrency, Ethereum, and so on. If you're familiar with those topics, then you know what an NFT is. If not, go to the show notes, find the link for my NFTs, click on it, and check it out. Either way, I urge you to take a look at my photos, buy some if you're interested. NFTs have become a rapidly growing form of investment. And either way, please share the link far and wide. I'm trying to reach as many people as possible. You helping me sell NFTs is an excellent way to also support this podcast. So I thank you in advance and let's get back to the show. We have some cool news here at Post Woke. If you go to the show notes, you will find a link for merchandise, more specifically, a Post Woke Hello Free Thinkers t-shirt for only $19.99. I am requesting that you check it out, that you buy the shirt, that you buy it for others as a gift. You wear it around and you start conversations about this podcast and you spread the word about intellectual self-defense. So again, the link is in the show notes and I really appreciate your support. It's a cool shirt, a cool design, and um, it will be really awesome is if you do order it, please be sure to send me a selfie to the email address that's in the show notes. So I appreciate your support and let's get back to the show. We have a short story this week, but I feel it dovetails nicely with the general vibe of the episode. It begins back in early 2002 when I was working for a private corporate gym in Midtown Manhattan. Yes, I said private corporate gym. So cue the shame and self-loathing. Anyway, one evening I was wearing a Yankees t-shirt with the name Justice emblazoned on the back. And it was for the former Yankee, uh, David Justice. An older woman named Mary stopped by the desk. She was in her early 70s and retired, but as a former employee of the corporation, she still had gym privileges. Mary asked me if I was a Yankee fan and I told her, yes, I was. I also explained that my real reason for wearing the shirt was all about the word justice. She smiled and declared that justice was a noble idea. Now, again, this is just a few months after 9-11 in New York City, so I kind of sort of braced myself for a follow-up like, we need to show them towelhead some justice, huh? Instead, Mary told me, in a whisper, that she was going to Washington the following week to march against the war. After this confession, Mary looked genuinely nervous. Had she gone too far? I leaned closer and said, don't worry. I'm with you on this. Mary and I proceeded to talk each time she'd come to the gym, but it was always off to the side, out of listening range, like we were in the French resistance or something. I mean, principles are great, but this was shortly after 9-11, as I said, and if we were overheard, I might have been fired. And being a martyr with principles does not pay the rent. 
the company eventually phased out the gym anyway. But just before my last day there, I saw Mary and complimented her on how hard she had been training. She leaned close to me and whispered, when the revolution comes, I'll be ready. So I thank you for listening. I thank Jessica Rose for sharing her expertise and her charismatic humanity. Please check the show notes again to learn more about her efforts and dedication. Please keep questioning. Please keep spreading the word about what you learn and about this podcast. And as Mary did all those years ago in the gym, remember to keep your guard up. <music> <laughs>